welcome to the Fat Doctor podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is episode three. And if you're watching on YouTube, because you can watch this on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube and you're asking yourself, Asha, is that a Christmas jumper you're wearing in the middle of January? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. Because uh, I live in Scotland. And it's fucking cold in Scotland and this is the warmest jumper I own. So yes, I am in uh, full Christmas get up. Not sorry. Uh, Today I have a very interesting question that was sent to me on Facebook by someone who had some concerns about nutrition and how to manage nutrition, but in a weight inclusive way. I thought it was a really good question and I'm going to rant a little bit in this because (laughs) you've been listening for long enough. Excuse me, if you've been listening for long enough, you know that that's what I do. I rant. Um, So prepare yourself. Let's get stuck in. probably ought to have the question in front of me but I don't oh no I do oh no I don't oh dear oh that's terrible very disorganized where would I find it I would find it in my messages it's all right it's fine this is absolutely planned um here we go hello it's vegan Yuri is it vegan Yuri vegan Yuri I mean it's January and people are going vegan fine uh so I'm guessing this is probably a fair question even though I've been vegan for four years so some people are taking this very seriously and some people are just doing it for a month I'm not going to comment on that how do you manage and in this is inverted commas nutrition without getting swamped by calorie counting I'm very much on board uh, with trying to listening uh, with listening to my body, trying to balance stuff and how I feel, but any nutritious apps or similar are either hardcore vegan nonsense, <laughs> and I love the fact um, this person has put "feel free to reword." <laughs> no, absolutely not hardcore vegan nonsense, or involved in MFP. I don't know what MFP means, but I'm guessing it's calorie counting i take multivitamins and i think i'm doing okay i just wish there was an okay way to check on how i'm doing and this is the important part i'm susceptible not vegan related to deficiencies without a calorie counting addition thank you i love this question because well uh, there are a few things i'm going to say first and foremost right and this is really important i'm just putting my phone away now first and foremost Never ask a doctor about nutrition advice (laughs) because we don't know the the first thing about nutrition, right? Like we did probably like an hour or two of training in nutrition during the entirety of medical school. It might have changed more recently in more recent years, but that was the case certainly when I was in medical school. I graduated in 2003, so that was a while ago now. Uh, but I don't think much has changed. We're certainly not experts. Nutritionists, dietitians are experts. Um, nutritionists are experts in nutrition and dietitians are experts in nutrition uh, for people who have medical conditions that might impact their nutrition. So if this person, you know, as this person has said, they, they're susceptible to deficiencies 
not vegan related. But even if you're being vegan, if you're vegan and you are excluding certain things from your diet for personal reasons, and I'm, I'm all for that. I very much respect people who have, you know, personal or religious or whatever or moral reasons for excluding things from their diet. That's not the same as diet culture. But, you know, potentially you you can be susceptible to deficiencies. And this person is being very sensible and saying, well, I don't want to go through that. I want to make sure that I am, you know, nutritionally sound. And so came to the wrong person for advice. <laughs> but it's a good podcast question, I think. So I have written notes. They are on, on my to my to my on my left no on my right sorry um so my first note was never ask a doctor <clears throat> and then i suppose look there are things that doctors do know about nutrition what we know about nutrition is when it goes wrong and the consequences of when it goes wrong and i think when it comes to nutrition when i think about nutrition i um i only think we need to be concerned about nutrition if we're worried that we're not getting enough of something and those are legitimate concerns i'm not getting enough iron i'm not getting enough uh, of XYZ vitamin. I'm not getting enough protein. Um, so yeah, there are, you know, that's not to say, I don't think that we should completely stop caring about nutrition, but I think we should be thinking about it in terms of deficiencies. And that's where doctors, you know, do come into our own. I know how to treat vitamin deficiencies. I know how to treat, um, you know, vitamin D deficiency. Not that's a nutrition thing, by the way, but, you know, vitamin D deficiency. I know how to treat, you know, to look for iron deficiency anemia and how to manage iron deficiency anemia in a from from a Western medicine point of view. So you know, take that take that with with a pinch of salt. But I think about nutrition in terms of deficiencies. The world thinks about nutrition in terms of calories and nowadays ultra processed food, which is the latest kind of <clears throat> term created by the weight loss industry. Uh, to, you know, for the purpose of selling books. And I might be ranting about that a bit later, depending on how I feel. But yeah, there, there are obviously, uh, there are, there's what we as doctors are concerned about and certainly weight inclusive doctors are concerned about, which is like, are you getting enough of stuff? And then what the diet industry is concerned about is, are you eating too much of stuff or are you eating in a way that I have decided is the correct way for you to eat? Because there is no correct way to eat, folks. I hate to tell you this, but like nobody knows the correct way to eat. Um, what we think of as the quote unquote correct way to eat is the white supremacist. And I say this with, you know, absolute conviction. This is not me being ironic. This is not if you're going to roll your eyes at that term. Let me explain. It is coming from a white supremacist, capitalist um, and fat phobic place. There is no right way to eat. Every culture, every group of people from around the world has a different way of eating. And if you trace it back to tradition, if you trace it back to kind of like, you know, indigenous cultures you'll realize that that way to eat is usually in sync with the world with the land around them right it's connected to their environment certain groups of people eat certain foods because they grew where they lived right we've stopped doing that in 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 the kind of the global north or you know in in countries like the uk the us canada other countries that you might be listening in from we have decided that there is a correct way to eat because somebody told us there was and it has nothing to do with the world that we live in. 
nothing to do with our environment. I live in Scotland, right? I told you it was cold. Um, what grows here at this time of the year in January in Scotland? Lots of root veggies. Um, meat, look, look, we, we farm a lot of meat here. So if you eat meat, there's lots of meat around. Root vegetables. Um, so we're going to eat a lot of soups and stews and stuff like that. We're going to have to preserve, you know, traditionally we would have had to have preserved our food for the winter months. And so... Um, in Scotland, there's a you know a bit of smoking of meat and stuff like that. You know, traditional. Look, look at what is like you know, indigenous to your land. If you're listening to me from, um, well, from the global south, it's it's summertime where you are, so you're probably inundated with lots of fresh fruit and vegetables. That's nice. Um, and different parts of the world will have learned to preserve their food in different ways, whether it was salting or whether it was smoking or, you know, preserving, canning, all of that stuff. It's it's, it's to do with living in a world, you know, being connected to the world around you and being connected to your environment. White supremacy says no. White supremacy, the purpose of white supremacy is to, to, to disconnect us from ourselves, from our own bodies, from each other and from the world around us. So when it comes to eating, white supremacy says, we don't want you to like be connected to your body and 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 eat what you want to eat. We want you to eat what we tell you to eat. And ideally, we want you to pay us to tell you what to eat. That's what white supremacy does. When it comes to being connected to other people, white supremacy comes along and separates out groups of people. These people eat correctly, these people eat incorrectly. And of course, there's always racial undertones, right? Because when we look at the healthy quote-unquote healthy diets um and i like if you're watching me on youtube you can see my facial expressions um they're classic <laughs> they're perfect but you know when it comes to healthy um i have a particular facial expression for that um diets or food or whatever it, it's a particular type of healthy right it's traditionally the kind of the mediterranean diet you know we're obsessed with avocados at the moment around the world like an avocado and i love an avocado don't get me wrong i have a mother who was born in brazil so I've been eating avocados a lot longer than you have. I guarantee it. My mum was giving me avocado when I was a baby. And in those days, it was quite hard to find an avocado. I mean, because they're quite rare in the UK, in Brazil. They literally grow on trees. But in the UK, they do not. So they had to be imported. But my mum, you know, brought her own culture with her when she you know, migrated here in the 70s, late 70s. So she used to feed me avocado. Now everybody is eating avocados all the time. You know who isn't eating avocados? The people in the countries where the avocados are grown. And that, my friends, is white supremacy. So white supremacy tries to cut us off from ourselves, tries to cut us off from other people and the environment that we live in. And so there is not a correct way to eat. And uh we and, and those of us who say that are considered to be heretics right because of course there is and i certainly can't say that you know if i was working in in medicine and i turned around to my patients and said well there's not a correct way to eat i mean i think i'd probably get complaints because according to the people in charge yes there is a correct way to eat thankfully there are some amazing dietitians and nutritionists out there who are talking about this in the context of white supremacy um and who go beyond the kind of like just the intuitive eating, which is great because intuitive eating is about being connected to our own bodies, which is a good start. But white supremacy doesn't just disconnect us from our own bodies. As I said, it disconnects us from other things as well. And there is that kind of underlying racism and anyone that is separated from whiteness um, because they are the opposite of what's the kind of perfect white, thin, male 
uh, cisgender, heterosexual, um, uh, I'm not going to say, I'm going to say non-disabled um, <clears throat> kind of neurotypical Christian person. Like that's the ideal, the ideal man, as it were, not woman, man. So if the further you are from that ideal man, um, just the, the the more complicated it gets. And that applies to everything, including nutrition. So um, those of us who are fat, like we are already separated from what is considered to be good because we're fat and fat is not whiteness, um, especially those of us who are fat and refusing to comply with the rules of white supremacy. So oh, that was a bit, I don't know if I explained that well, but, you know, we're talking about being I, I'm, I'm all about showing up imperfectly. So that was my little explanation, which may have not have been a very good explanation. And I'm, I definitely went on tangent. This is not in my notes. So why are calories linked to nutrition? Uh, because of diet culture and because of the weight loss industry. So you can't find an app that's going to help you, tr- you know, track your vitamins and your minerals and your and, you know, your 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 nutrition without linking it to calories. It doesn't exist because every single one of those apps is part of the weight loss industry. For those who are listening and who like design apps, you know, there's a here's an idea for you. You know, do a, do a weight inclusive one if you fancy doing that. But anyway, um, I think we have to talk about weight science today because I, I I don't have an answer to this question. I don't I don't know of a way to um to get help with nutrition that isn't weight normative, that isn't weight centric, that isn't going to talk about calories. I don't know if it exists out there. If it does, please let me know, and I will pass on this information to. Uh, the the original question the questioner the original poster the person who wrote into me I, I no I will I will impart part, impart this information to everybody because everybody wants to know but because I don't have a simple answer I think we need to get into the complexity that is weight science and the person you want to talk to about weight science is not me the person you want to talk to about weight science is Reagan Chastain um, and you want to be subscribed to her newsletter and if you're not like why not she talks about this in ways that um, far exceed anything I could ever do. Uh, she's incredible. And I learn a lot from her. Um, and she's an expert in the weight science. And she's really good. Um, when I'm struggling with something, I can just send her a paper and be like, Reagan, I know this is wrong, but can you tell me why? And she's able to sort of look at it and go, this is what it says. And it's beautiful. The way she can uh, translate is, is just incredible. But anyway, yes, I'm a bit of a fanboy. Leave me alone. Uh, you want to be subscribed to her Substack because there's so much information that to process and it's all out there and it's just available to anyone, which is incredible. But here is um, Asher's rant about weight science and specifically about what is not evidence, right? Because people will tell you, oh, well, this is all evidence-based and they'll, they'll have lots of convincing arguments for why it's evidence-based. And uh, I'm going to challenge every single one of them. The first is because a credible organisation said it, right? A lot of, I mean, certainly this is the case for uh, journalists and stuff. But even beyond that, even people who are making guidelines, I've noticed that a lot of the guidelines that are written, written for doctors in the UK, when you look at the um, the evidence that they base these guidelines on, it's not fresh evidence. It's... Um, 
this organization says so the you know diabetes uk says this or um the who says this like it's based on someone else's guidelines um so we're just kind of like we're in an echo chamber and we're just repeating ourselves and that's that's a bit worrying because when you're writing guidelines it should be based on a literature search it should be based on you know as much evidence as you could possibly get and then you look at it you examine it you figure out what's credible what's not credible you exclude all the papers that are you know don't meet your criteria for inclusion you analyze all of that stuff and then you draw conclusions from it and when you draw conclusions from it you decide whether or not the evidence that you're using is reliable and oftentimes it's not Oftentimes when they're grading the evidence, they're like, it's too poor quality. We can't actually make a recommendation. So we're going to guess. And if you're actually looking at guidelines, oftentimes they're based on guesswork. Uh, But at least they've tried. Nowadays, they don't even try. So I was looking at uh, the perimenopause guidelines um, from a project I'm doing. Watch this space. Stay tuned. You won't have to wait for very long. Um, And I'm looking at... um, I'm looking at the guidelines and I'm, I'm looking at the references and they're all just, you know, fac- faculty of sexual reproductive health, da 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 which is fine if we can trust these organisations. But a lot of these organisations themselves are paid for by the weight loss industry. So that's problematic, isn't it? So Diabetes UK, for example, one of its major corporate sponsors is Novo Nordisk, which makes weight loss injections. And that makes me think, um, is there a conflict of interest? Should I be relying on Diabetes UK's information? Where are they getting it from? Well, they're getting it from some of the studies that they're paying for. Well, who's paying them to pay for the studies? You know, it becomes a little bit unethical. So these so-called kind of trustworthy organisations, and that includes the WHO, it includes uh, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence in the UK, it includes... Um, all sorts of organisations. Gosh, I can't list them all, but, you know, the American Medical Association, absolutely, it includes them. Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, when they brought out their guidelines, we looked at, you know, who who's, who's paying for this? And also, who's writing them? Who are the experts that they got in to write them? Because when you start looking at the experts and you're like, oh, you're getting paid a heck of a lot of money from the pharmaceutical industry. Again, that's a bit of a conflict of interest, isn't it? You'd think, but it's not. That is the equivalent of people who are being paid by the tobacco industry making guidelines about lung cancer. You wouldn't trust them, right? That is the equivalent of people paid by the gun industry making guns, uh, making guidelines about how to manage gunshot wounds. That is the equivalent of the alcohol industry making paying for the paying the people who make the guidelines about uh, liver disease. You'd have a problem with that, right? I'm assuming you'd have a problem with that, but we don't have any problems with organisations who are A, being paid directly, and if not, whose so-called experts are paying, being paid directly by pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry, in specifically the weight loss industry. And it doesn't even have to be the weight loss part of the pharmaceutical industry. It could just be the weight loss industry. So there are organisations, I'll give you an example, Cancer UK, which is a cancer charity in the UK, gets a lot of money from Slimming World, which is a weight loss organisation in the weight, in the UK, similar to Weight Watchers and, and so on and so forth. They did this massive campaign once 
about how obesity, quote unquote, causes cancer. And it just so happened to be around the time that Slimming World started investing thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds into this organisation. I mean, I'm not making any accusations here. Wouldn't dare, wouldn't dare, don't want to get sued. This is all like, I'm just telling you the facts. You can make the connections if you want. You can decide whether or not they're trustworthy. Me personally, when I'm making that decision for myself, it's not trustworthy. It's not trustworthy if it's being paid for in some way by the weight loss industry. So, yeah, be careful of just quoting people who just quote these organisations. Be like, cool, what organisation? Who wrote it? Where are the references? Who who created the guidelines? What's the name of the doctors that created the guide? Don't just accept it all oh, because it was the WHO. It must be right. Mm, okay, if you say so. Um, and so you're going to find this a lot. People will quote from, you know, the CDC or the WHO or whatever. Like, oh, I've got you because they said it. And I'm like, no, just because they said it doesn't mean anything. Again, white supremacy. I'm not into that. Just because they said it. I want to read it for myself. I'm a curious person and I'd like to read it for myself. Where'd they get it from? Um, another thing is that, and, and this is I mean, this is genuinely again. This is how it works, really. How how research works um, is that people will just quote statements and then say, you know, this person said it, and then this person will be quoting someone else who's quoting someone else, and it's a lot of um, 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 sort of like the chain of custody. <laughs> is very concerning in this. So he said, she said, he said, she said, they said kind of situation. And you'll you'll see why this is problematic. Let me give you a an, a, an illustration of why this is problematic. When Purdue Pharma was trying to convince doctors to prescribe OxyContin for moderate pain, and in doing so massively changed the landscape, caused an opioid epidemic that is still problematic and still, you know, massively harming the United States. Uh, And also, at the same time, made billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. When they were trying to convince people, what did they do? They brought up studies and they quoted studies. And it turns out that these studies were a load of, and I'm going to say it, a load of shit, absolute bullshit. And when the author of the study who uh, that that was being used to defend or to 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 support the idea of prescribing these medications to people, even though it wasn't safe and it wasn't necessary, and they were using, they were talking about pain. Oh, well, it's pain, and pain is serious. Pain, we 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 should be taking pain seriously. But they were using these references. When the author of this paper found out, he was like that's not what I said. That's not what my study shows. What the hell are you talking about? And so it's amazing. No one questioned this. No one questioned it for years. It took ages for them to find out why, like how these studies that were being used actually were completely and utterly wrong. And so do me a favour with your Google searches. Please stop it. Don't, if you're just reading an abstract and, and you're reading the conclusion of the abstract and as far as you're concerned, that's proof, then you've got another thing coming because you clearly don't know how this works. You have to critically appraise every single paper yourself. And, and I'm, I'm not expecting everybody to do that. Why would you? 
Why would you do that? I'm not expecting you to do it. But if someone's trying to tell you this is the way to eat something, this is nutrition, this is what you should be doing, you want to say, cool, prove it. And they might come along with some stupid fact sheet from the WHO or, you know, whatever. Um, And you're like, no, 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 that's not proof. Prove it. I want the paper. And then they might do a Google search or a PubMed search, whatever, and be like, oh, here's the paper. And then you're like, cool. And then they'll show you the abstract and the conclusion. And that's still not good enough. Prove it. Critically appraise that paper. And if I mean, that's why I said talk to Reagan, like Reagan's already doing that work. She's doing it already has done it. So but the the problem is that people will do this to me often. They'll be like, here's your proof. I'm like, that's not proof. That's a Google search. Everybody knows how to do a Google search. I want you to have critically appraised the papers. When I sit down to write something, when I'm writing a book or when I'm writing anything, I have read every single one of those papers from top to bottom. And they're always crap, by the way, and very, very boring and mind numbing and annoying and sometimes outright like they boil my piss as many things do as you know but um I still read them and I will always be honest about them and I won't just be like well that doesn't that doesn't work for me so I'll ignore it I won't sometimes I'll read a paper and be like oh hang on a minute does weight loss actually benefit oh hang on does this does this medication that I hate does that actually have some positive um side effects oh I can't just ignore that so I have to be honest about it um yeah. <clears throat> Not a Google search. Thanks very much. Another one is this kind of anecdotal stuff. Like you'll find a lot of people who are selling nutrition to you uh, will either be former pe- former fats or they were never fat, but, you know, they've got the body that everyone craves. And so they're an expert. Um, this is my experience. or this is my client's experience. They lost 20 pounds and now they're like, you know, so much healthier all that nonsense right anecdotal experience means nothing to me I am a big fan of lived experience and listening to people's lived experience when it comes to qualitative research when it comes to actually asking questions and listening to people's lived experience I am not a fan of using anecdotal information to try and prove something that needs quantitative data if you're telling me that that you know Counting calories is going to benefit my health. You best come with the evidence, not, oh, it worked for me. I don't give a shit if it worked for you. So what? Maybe it only worked temporarily. Maybe you're lying. Maybe it worked for you, but it's not going to work for the majority of people. Uh, you know, so what if it worked for you? It, it is irrelevant to me. I am not interested in your personal story. And I I am interested in the facts because when I'm when I'm presenting evidence to my patients, If I don't have any evidence, I have to say, look, I don't have any evidence. All I have is anecdotal evidence. (coughs) Excuse me. All I have is what my patients have told me. And that is not real evidence. This is all I have. So I'm giving it to you, but it's not real evidence. Um, That's not the same as not listening to lived experience. I will always listen to lived experience. But lived experience is not going to tell me, Uh, whether or not something works because what worked for you doesn't work for someone else lived experience is telling me what is going on what the situation the circumstances I'm going to look for patterns in that I'm going to listen to people and, and hear their voice and think oh I never thought about that but just because your lived experience of something is one way is one thing doesn't mean that's going to apply to someone else and anyone who is 
part of a marginalized identity will talk talk about this, right? Like I'm we're not a monolith and therefore my experience as a trans man is not the same as other people's experience as a trans man. So don't don't ask me to tell you what to do. But if you want to hear my experience, that's completely different because you're listening and you're learning. So do you get the difference, right? So I'm a fan of lived experience. Anecdotal evidence is completely useless, especially when it comes to something as uh, as as like weight science, because the actual evidence says the opposite of the anecdotal evidence. So when you're telling me, oh, yeah, all my clients lose weight, but the actual evidence is saying weight loss is unsustainable. You know, here are trials with thousands of people who we followed up over five years. Um, I don't care whether your clients did or not. They could have just done that in the space of two months and then you never saw them again. So, um, And finally, so there's just the everybody knows people. <laughs> everybody knows. Yeah. Why is that? Why does everybody know? Of course, what I'm saying and what I'm talking about when I say actually nutrition is only about deficiencies. Don't worry about eating. When I say ultra processed food is a load of bullshit, don't even pay attention to that. When I say don't limit the amount of food that you're eating, stop restricting. I don't think that's a good idea. When I'm telling you all of this stuff and, you know, I am giving you evidence to support that, but the evidence is limited, unfortunately. When I'm saying all of this stuff, I know it goes against what everybody knows. I know this. I know. Well, that's a lot of no's, isn't it? But um, just because everybody knows something doesn't mean it's true. Can we not look back at recent history and figure this out? I came out as queer in 1994. In 1993, finally, finally, in 1993, the WHO finally admitted that being homosexual was not a mental illness. In 1993. I came out in 1994. This was recent history. You have been treating it as a mental illness until 1993. And then all of a sudden in 1994, it's no longer one. That, that's weird, don't you think? Who's wrong? Like, are we wrong now or were we wrong then? And so, sure, everybody knows that being fat is bad for you until the day that people finally figure out being fat is not bad for you. And maybe, you know, 30, 40 years from now, we'll look back and be like, oh, gosh, I can't, I can't believe we were doing that. That's just outrageous. But right now we're in the everybody knows stage. So if I'd come out in 1992, it would still have been a mental illness. That's a problem. We've got to stop listening to everybody because everybody does not know. Nobody knows, actually. And you've got to figure it out for yourself. And you can you can use evidence and you can make an educated guess, which is what I'm doing but ultimately, I don't know that I know that I know. Nobody can know, no. Um, I really feel like I... I, just, I, I really feel like I didn't answer the question at all. What was the question? Um, nutrition information without getting swamped by calorie counting. Look, I don't know the answer. I would my my recommendation would be to you uh listen to uh nutritionists nutritionists and dietitians who um who are talking about this and who are anti diet and the person that I will signpost you to first and foremost is Jessica Wilson. Um I've talked about her book in previous series. I am a massive fan and uh in fact, it was a couple of days ago on my Facebook page, I had written a post and people were going on about somebody had made some comment about ultra processed food. And there's a book and I'm not giving the, the author or the book any airtime. So I'm not telling you who it is and I'm not telling you what the name of the book is, uh, but it's a well-known one. And the moment I saw that, 
I was like, oh no, I've I've been listening to Jessica. I know I know why this is bullshit, and that's why I'm so grateful for the people out there doing this work, because she has done so much work on ultra processed food. And she did her own experiment and, you know, she's really challenging all of this stuff. She's an absolute legend. She's also got an amazing book. You should read it. But, um, yeah, go go see her. Go, ch- go check out her uh, information because she is a dietitian and she does know about deficiencies. Um, but she's not going to talk about it in a, in a way that is, you know, involves calories. And obviously, uh, as, a, as a black queer woman, she is very conscious of white supremacy and how white supremacy impacts the nutrition and dietetics industry and so um you know if you're if you're going to get your information i would recommend people who are challenging the kind of the mainstream on lots of different levels and one of them is to be challenging them structurally you know looking at you know this this sounds nice but actually can we just take a couple of the layers off and then we realize that it's quite icky what's going on here so my suggestion is don't ask me i, I don't know ask an expert but in a kind of more broader context I want you to be very conscious of the bullshit that people are slinging around left right and center and I hear it all the time and I'm used to it and I'm getting better at dealing with it and most of the time I just ignore it because I'm just like I'm not wasting my time dealing with this but if it's if it's if you're if you're repeating an organization without actually looking into it. if you're if you're quoting studies without critically appraising them if you're talking anecdotal evidence without any co- you know without any context of what the what the sort of quantitative research shows and if you're just going oh everybody knows then you're of no use to me i'm i'm i'm, I'm without being rude i am i'm on a different level to you because i am superior in my understanding of how <laughs> How science works, you know, science, you've heard of science. No, I'm being serious. I, you know, if you're still just listening to what everybody else knows, then you haven't even bothered. And so I'm not going to bother with you. And I think that's the problem, isn't it? With doctors, let's face it. They probably are only going to read, not even the, the guidelines, they're going to read the summary of the guidelines. And uh, hey, I am a doctor. I understand why that is. We don't have time to read all of the guidelines in great detail. Who's got time for that? So it's not their fault. Um, but of course, guidelines that play into the stereotypes and the beliefs that they already hold um, make, you know, are very comforting. And therefore, they you know, they'll just accept. They'll never question. But beyond that, Doctors don't even have to have read guidelines. Nine times out of ten, doctors are basing their advice about nutrition on everybody knows and or anecdotal stuff. And often the anecdotal stuff relates to themselves or family members. And this, I mean, this is really concerning. It, you know, my uncle lost weight by doing, you know, intermittent fasting. <clears throat> it's not medical advice. It shouldn't be advice at all, but it's definitely not medical advice because I don't give a fuck about your uncle. Um, Who cares? It's totally inappropriate to bring that into a conversation. But that's the problem, isn't it? A lot of healthcare professionals, not just even doctors, are going with the everybody knows way of, of managing things. Not even thinking, refusing to even like question the most basic things. And those are that weight loss is unsustainable. And there is overwhelming evidence to say this. And actually, most people admit it. Um, Weight loss is unsustainable for the vast majority of people. That weight cycling has been shown to be harmful for many reasons, 
There are lots of reasons why weight cycling causes harm. And there are no proven benefits of losing weight in terms of health outcomes. The evidence is there, folks, and you you need to prove me wrong, not vice versa. I mean, I'm telling you the evidence is there. I'm presenting it to you. If you don't want to look at it, you want to ignore it. That's that's a you thing, but it's there. And if you want to challenge that, you have to do so by providing a decent challenge, not what the WHO says, not, well, I did a PubMed search, not, well, my it worked for my uncle, not, what are you talking about? Everybody knows you're lying. That's not good enough. I've put the evidence out there. You want to challenge it, do it properly. Um, and so far, no one has succeeded. I'm putting the, I put the challenge out there often and I just get stupid comments in response. Um, never forget, who is, when you see a bit of research or, or, or you see an article in a paper or, you know, you hear about something from anywhere, like or, it, or it's like an information leaflet that you've gotten or you're on a training course or whatever it is, I need you to remember these questions. Who wrote it? Who is paying the person who wrote it? And who is getting paid for it? So who wrote it? Like, was it a doctor? And if so, is that doctor a weight loss doctor? Because that already makes them biased. Who is paying that doctor? Are they being funded by the pharmaceutical industry or the weight loss industry? And... With this information that you're presenting to me, who's going to end up getting paid for it? Because this is the problem, right? If you're a weight loss doctor who is recommending, who is an expert who recommends weight loss, patients are going to come to see you because you're a weight loss doctor. How unethical is that? The experts are financially invested in weight loss because it's going to pay them personally. When the American Academy of uh, Pediatrics brought out their guidelines last year and I was looking at the recommendations... The first recommendation was invest more money into pediatric, uh, you know, the O word, obesity medicine. That was their first recommendation. This was written by doctors, all doctors who work in pediatric, quote unquote, obesity medicine. Like, how unethical is that? Hey, we don't have great evidence because if you look, they don't have great evidence. They had terrible evidence. In fact, their evidence was absolutely shockingly poor it doesn't work the studies show that but we still recommend you do it oh and when you do it make sure to pay us personally what the fuck yeah my advice is to find ways to track your nutrition that doesn't involve an app i mean it's not that difficult find ways to track your nutrition speak to a nutritionist if you're concerned um if you've been vegan for a long time you probably know how to get your proteins and all your macros and making sure you're getting your vitamins and you're being you know you're being conscious because most vegans I know are, are conscious of these things if you're not get the information that you need there's brilliant people out there and um and if you see any anything that is that talks about calories like delete 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 and block forget it, it there's no no good can come of this um hope that's been helpful I, it felt disjointed, but, you know, maybe it wasn't. And if it was, that's tough because I'm about to upload this and that'll be the end of it. I probably won't listen to it. So if it's crap, it's crap. <laughs> Hopefully you'll come join me next week. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, perimenopause and periods. 
brace yourselves and if you and, and don't and don't be that person that chooses not to listen because it's not for you please listen anyway you know education is elevation um as lee always says now uh what's coming up in the diary well listen my waiting room <clears throat> membership community right like um i've been we, 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 we're coming into all we have we've come we're already in now no we're in we're in Aquarius season, aren't we? Are we in Aquarius season? Yeah, of course we're in Aquarius season. Um, by the time I've posted this, we're in Aquarius season. And um, I am really conscious of community um, personally because it's something that's coming up for me a lot, um, uh, whether it's, you know, in my in my solar return chart, whether it's um, things that people are saying, whether it's the position of the sun in the sky, whatever it is, every tarot reading I've ever done in the last like two months community 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 is all I hear community community and let me tell you community is powerful for so many different reasons we uphold each other we uplift each other we hold space for each other we learn from each other we bring our own skills and our own talents and we are and and you need a community where you will be embraced as an individual where your particular sparkle where your particular you know, joy and passion and 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 superpowers are are sort of embraced and you know put right at the very front. And like you know, we don't want a bunch of clones. We want really different people, diverse people. And my community is small but diverse and amazing. And I bloody love them. And I'm learning so much from them. And I'm loving the way that we we are getting to know each other. That we we're, we're holding each other up. We're holding space for each other. Why don't you want to be part of it? I don't. I don't get it. Like, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? Now, I know you have to pay to be part of it. And I think a lot of people are like, mm, I'm, I'm not paying for that. And I hear you. But let me tell you something. Whenever I've been given something for free, I've never used it. I've never made the most of it. I have ignored it. There is a reason I'm asking people to pay for this. It is partly because I need to earn a living. And sorry if that offends people, but not sorry at all. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm not sorry. And if it offends you, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But more, more than that, I want this to be something that you value. I want it to be valued. And I have noticed that this community is massively invested. There are very few people who come along and just kind of like just ignore it. Um, that's not to say that you have to participate. You could be a lurker. There are lurkers who are just listening, but not necessarily talking. And that's absolutely fine. But it's a great community. Why aren't you part of it? What's holding you back? And I've been thinking about this, like what would hold me back and what does hold me back from joining communities? Because I'm not actually part of that many communities. Like what stops me? And I think there are lots of sort of blocks, emotional, mental blocks that I'm just like, oh, no, I'm not sure. Or I don't have time for that. That's the one that comes up a lot. I don't have time for that. Or I don't deep down inside subconsciously, I don't believe I deserve that. That's a that's a that's a big one. Um, So, yeah. Why not, why, why not join up for, for two weeks? It's free anyway. Let's see if you like us. See if it's worth sticking around. Um, you can find The Waiting Room on my website, fatdoctor.co.uk. Um, look for The Waiting Room or it's back. Uh, it's slash The Waiting Room. Waiting is spelled W-E-I-G-H-T-I-N-G room. And there is a hyphen between the the and the waiting in the room. Um, yeah maybe just go to my website and find it on there navigate there or check the show notes because it's in there too um but yeah why aren't you there i want you to be there listener because uh, some of you have been listening to my podcast for the last few 
years. And so you like what I have to say. I'm right there. I'm like constantly on Discord. Oh, and if you and if you don't like Discord or if you're afraid of Discord or if you're like, mm, I'm not sure about Discord, I ummed and ahed whether I was going to have this community on Facebook or Discord, right? Because those seem to be the two obvious ones. And I chose Discord and I am, I am absolutely bloody chuffed with myself for doing so. I'm glad I listened to the people who said choose Discord. Discord was the way to go. It's a brilliant app, but I never used it until, you know, the last couple of months. Anyone can use it. Is where all the cool kids kids hang out anyway. Uh, it is the future. It is the best place for this community. So don't be put off by Discord. But I'm on it all the time now. Like you can have direct access to me, and I'm not. I'm not saying that in a vain way. But if you like what I have to say, why wouldn't you want to be hanging out with me in a community? Oh, gosh, that sounds so vain. But yeah, I love it. A bit of fat vanity. Hmm. Why wouldn't you want to hang out with me, people? What's wrong with you? No, that's too far. I took it too far. Sorry. No, retract. I won't edit out. But like, I apologize. I something came over me um <clears throat> yeah so we got that um and um i'm going to be relaunching take your power back soon i'm super excited about that and i will be talking about it a lot more take your power back is the one of the first things that i've done that i feel has made an absolute difference to people's lives it's the first and it's not about me but it's about me but it's not about me watching people take this course seeing how they go from one person to a completely different person within a few weeks, the transformation, for me, I, nothing beats that. Going from someone who just doesn't feel like they haven't got any power in the doctor's office to somebody who feels massively empowered in the doctor's office, for me, I feel like, do you know what? My job is done. So I'll be relaunching that soon. Make sure you're subscribed to my, my email list so that you can get my daily emails with you know questions dear asha you can ask me any question you like and i will answer it in my emails and um all right i'm done talking about me see you next time 